Welcome to How Musicians Make It. My name's Adam and I'm your host. Today we're talking about the acquisition of BMI by a private equity firm, what that will mean for how BMI operates moving forward, uh, their transition of for-profit model, the percentages that they're going to take versus the percentages they're going to distribute and all that stuff. So this is everything you need to know about the BMI acquisition. I've been reading about it a ton. It's really fascinating and kind of a bummer. Uh, We're also going to treat this as a part of a series where I'm going to talk about how to register for ASCAP. Uh, I get so many questions about like, should I register as a composer? Should I register as a publisher? Should I register as both? Um, How to get performance royalties from ASCAP? which we've talked about a little bit on the podcast, but I'd like to kind of give you a walk down on like how to use on stage and all that stuff. So that'll be next episode. Uh, and so we'll just talk about kind of PROs, right? Publishing rights organizations over the next few episodes. Uh, just so you know, we created an app called Gig Boss. It's a way that you can organize your freelance career, your band leading career. You can create groups and create events, and you can track all your income on the books page. It's super slick. It's getting better every month. Check it out. It's free to download, and it's free to use. There is a subscription version that has some extra bells and whistles, but you really don't need it. You can use the app perfectly well without it. So check that out, uh, and tell a friend. If you dig the podcast, tell a friend. Uh, We do have a YouTube channel called How Musicians Make It, and we're posting videos on there as well, and some of those videos are being seen, and that's cool. So I appreciate you all for listening and watching. And here we go with BMI's acquisition. All right, so BMI was acquired uh, just in this month, uh, the end of quarter four in the year, as they the jargon that they'll use in uh, the business world. It was bought by a private equity firm. Uh, minority stakeholder is the Alphabet Corporation, which is the company that owns Google. So we're talking like big, huge players uh, bought this company. And it's not surprising because BMI has a... Uh, collected in revenue, uh, total revenue, not not uh, not profit, but total revenue, one point five seven billion dollars. Okay, this is money that they collect for royalties, and in twenty twenty two, one point four seven billion dollars was actually distributed to artists on the platform. Okay, so that's a pretty significant amount of money. And what we're going to find is that because they were acquired and because they went to for-profit, those numbers are going to shift, okay? The other thing is that when a company, so like what happens when a company gets bought by another company, right? This is something that I've been really interested in lately. And essentially what happens when you buy a company as um, an entity that wants to make money on that purchase is you go in there and you and you essentially blow things up like you're you're going to do things a lot differently than the way things have been done in the past and a lot of times that starts with changing out members on the board of directors and the board of directors is a group of people that is there to sort of protect shareholders uh a nonprofit organization has a board of directors and a for-profit organization has a board of directors. Okay, so what's going to happen is these companies are going to buy this buy BMI. They're going to change out board, board the board of directors with members that they want on the board, and that will support their ideals for what this company should be or for what this company should become. Now, previously BMI was a was a not-for-profit organization, which meant that as soon as they paid for all of their expenses, all of the rest of the money went to artists. Now, because they're becoming a for-profit organization, they're going to have some other 
ideas about what an acceptable amount to distribute is. This is sort of like where you get a company like Spotify. It's like their their objective is to make money. And so they're going to cut as many corners as possible to do so. And now that that is BMI's objective, we can expect the same from BMI. So what we're going to see is we're going to see a new board of directors go in that agrees with whoever they choose to run the company, to CEO of the company, which I don't believe has been announced yet. It's not Nothing I've read has, has announced any kind of changing of the guard in terms of the people that are at the head of the company. Right now, Michael O'Neill is the CEO, and uh, Michael O'Neill essentially said that their new for-profit model, he, he wrote like a, a letter to everybody when this acquisition news started to, to reach the world. He wrote uh, an open letter that said that essentially they will take 85% of the royalties and they will give those 85% to sorry I said that in a in a bad way they will distribute 85% of the royalties collected and they will keep 15% of the royalties collected for overhead and for a quote unquote modest profit um <clears throat> a modest profit that's it's like a rough that's that's expecting that we're just going to trust a corporation that whose objective is to make money to, to only make a modest profit on, on purpose. And I don't think that's what's going to happen. So what, what we're going to see is we're going to see layoffs. We're going to see boatloads of layoffs at BMI. They're going to hire an outside firm to come in and consult on... And, and these will be people that know nothing about music. These will be p- people that know nothing about the music industry. They're only business people. So they're going to look at the numbers, and they're going to be completely emotionally unattached, and they're going to go, okay, we need to get rid of all of these positions, get rid of all these positions, get rid of all these people, and then we'll rehire a couple folks. But for the most part, we're just laying people off to reduce the amount of money that we're spending every month so we can increase the amount of money that we pocket. Okay? That will be the objective. I guess, thankfully, like... The only way that they'll be able to make more money, if, if you keep that like 15% for overhead and a modest profit, the only ways they'll be able to make money is to reduce expenses, which is where, where layoffs come in, or to increase revenue. And the only way to increase revenue is to like really buckle down on making sure that people are getting paid for things. So maybe that's a good motivating factor for BMI. Maybe that does help artists in some way maybe they seek outside funding so something you can do with a nonprofit is you can take you can take donations and those people can like if you're a 501c3 nonprofit organization you can you can have money in your organization that goes out to other people you can kind of serve as a serve as a financial gosh I don't remember the word I've done this a bunch with grant writing serve as like the the financial entity for any certain gift and then distribute those funds or hold those funds and so BMI was probably doing stuff like that. People can donate to the organization and write it off as a tax credit. But when you become a corporation and you are a for-profit company, the model really for growth is if you don't have enough revenue, if you don't have enough cash on hand, you're going to raise money from venture capitalists, which could be to the tune with a company like BMI that collects $1.57 billion in a year that raise could be hundreds of millions of dollars. They could they could easily raise 100, hundreds of millions of dollars. What they would do with that, I don't know. 
Maybe they create a new streaming company. Maybe they create branches of something that has nothing to do with what BMI used to be. I, I have no idea. That's all just pontificating. If I, I guess if I owned BMI, I would I would try to do some cool things. But I'm coming from an artist side and not from a corporate side, right? These people are coming from corporate side. This is a this is a this is this is a, a firm essentially of no nobody who has any idea what what happens in the music industry or what's needed in the music industry. Uh, so their their sole plan will be to decrease expenses and increase revenue, uh, so that that fifteen percent continues to grow and they can continue. And also, like, there's no contract saying they'll only take fifteen percent, as far as I know. And I did I did have a friend. I was sort of like exploring this idea and talking about it a little bit on social media. And a friend a friend was like, "Hey, what you know? BMI artists could could." create a class action lawsuit and sue BMI for breach of contract because of the contracts people signed. I'm not a BMI artist, so I, I didn't sign a contract with BMI. I don't know what the contracts say. I guess I could have read that in, a, in in advance of this podcast, but as soon as I start yapping my mouth, that's when I start to think of things. Uh, I don't know that it's going to be any kind of significant... It's, I don't know that it would be significant enough legally for anyone to create a class action lawsuit and then sue BMI. That seems like a huge uphill battle, although like every battle in the music industry is a huge up, uphill battle. And if ultimately we want to, you know, organize for higher wages, it would mean all of us joining the musicians union or creating a new musicians union. And that's something I've been thinking about a lot too. But those are huge ideas. Those are like huge, massive ideas that would take tons of funding and would maybe necessitate a for-profit business in order to get that funding. And that might be what the minds of BMI people were thinking along the way. Like, hey, we could do X, Y, and Z if we got outside funding, if we became a for-profit company. Like, we we could... Um, we could think positively about it and go like, oh, this could happen, this could happen, this could happen. But historically, I think what we're going to see is we're going to see layoffs. We're going to see people pulling levers. They're just going to be pulling levers. You know, they're going to go like, mm, here's the lever for the amount of money we spend in salaries. Mm, here's the re- lever for the amount of revenue we're able to collect. Let's create this revenue stream. Let's create this revenue stream, right? They're going to be looking for those types of, of opportunities to be able to make money on this company in the long term. So let's talk about like what 85% and 15% really means in context. I think this is this is the most interesting part for me because 15% of $1.57 billion. So, let, so let's say let's say in 2024 or 2023, which we haven't gotten 2023 numbers yet, but in 2022, they collected $1.57 billion. Let's say in 2023, they collect exactly the same amount of money. I have to believe that's going to go up because every year there are more artists, every year there are more there's more music, every year there's more people registering their music. So I would assume that that revenue is going to go up, especially because it was purchased by somebody. Although what happened with Elon Musk and Twitter could be in you know, also could happen where revenues go down, at least initially, who knows what's going to happen in the future. Especially with a polarizing personality like that, which we we don't really understand. I don't see any polarizing personalities at the at the front of the BMI purchase. It's just, it's just an unfortunate. It seems like an unfortunate circumstance, in general. So if we assume that in 2023, BMI makes 1.5 billion dollars, 
15% of that is $235,500,000, okay? That would be what BMI would use for expenses and for profit, okay? $235,500,000. I got to believe like yearly expenses aren't more than a couple million dollars. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. 10 million? Even if their expenses were like 50 million, 100 million, you're still looking at 135 if if they were 100 million dollars in expenses, which seems outrageous. Like it seems like there's no way they're spending 100 million dollars in expenses. Maybe they've got a huge building or something that costs money. I wonder if there's a breakdown of BMI's expenses. I'm just going to do a quick Google search in case. BMI monthly, or I'll just go yearly. Yearly expenses. You can tell that I'm not typing very well. 175 to affiliate individual publisher. Okay, they're just talking about individual expenses. As a company, that's going to be hard information to find unless we, like they, they were a nonprofit, which maybe means they had to disclose it, but public companies disclose this information so you'd be able to see uh, how much money that the company actually spends. And that would, to me, like that's a, that's a really important, that's a really important number. And, uh, if it's a hundred million, they're still left with $135 million in profit. But, you know, just in general, $235,500,000 is 15% of 1.57 billion to give you some perspective you know, Reebok made $335 million, uh in profit uh, in euros, 335 million euros in profit. It was probably more like 500 million euro, $500 million. Ben and Jerry's made $450 million in profit. In total, like total revenue is much higher than that, right? Revenue is different than profit. Revenue is how much money the company takes in, in total. And then profit is how much money on top of expenses was left over. So in this case, depending on what the yearly expenses for BMI are, they're potentially making hundreds of millions of dollars on top of that at 15%. Previously, before the company became a for-profit company, they were keeping around 10% for overhead and then distributing everything else. So you could probably run some numbers and and make the assumption that 10% of $1.57 billion is what the expenses are, which would leave an extra 5% for profit. That's why they're calling it a modest profit perhaps. But again, like we like how could we trust how could we trust that? From a bird's eye view, it's like there's no they're not going to promise that to users. They're not going to say like forever we're going to only keep 15% they may operate under that ideal for a little while until you know the press about this dies down but my assumption would be that they're going to work to increase profits because that's the whole point of buying a company is you're going to work to increase profits of the company so that you can either pay dividends to shareholders right there are people who own the company that isn't just one person it's usually an entity or a firm with lots of people's money that goes into that firm, and then that firm makes investments, buys companies. You know, when you pay dividends out, you're taking cash 
out of the company and then you're paying it to share to people who own the company essentially and then the people who own the company have to pay taxes on that money depending on how they formulate their taxes there's actually a lot of things people do to not pay those taxes but that was really like to that was a really interesting aspect of this is like compared to Ben and Jerry's for instance which is in every single grocery store and everybody has had you know BMI would essentially be profiting more than half of what Ben and Jerry's profits. So these are huge companies. BMI is a huge company. When I started, you know, when I started looking, I was looking for like, what are, what are the profits of Amazon? What are the profits of, you know, and Amazon was like $636 billion in profit. That's insane. Google is something like that too, 600 some billion Smaller companies, not smaller necessarily, but companies like Apple are in the, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars. There's some companies in the six billion. So I'm sure people are looking at BMI, kind of licking their chops, like this has potential to be a real breadwinner for us in the long term. And I think that's really where it's going to hurt artists who have things registered with BMI. And so I wonder if artists will leave BMI. Um, I assume that when people start hearing about layoffs, people start hearing about the board of directors changing, that we are going to see people leaving BMI for ASCAP. However, I wonder how quickly it will, like how long it will take before ASCAP starts thinking about the same thing. Like ASCAP and BMI have been around since the early 1900s. They've been owned by broadcasting companies, TV companies, and radio, and and things like that. And they've both been a nonprofit company up till now. BMI switched to for profit. It sold. People who owned BMI, whoever owned BMI, made a boatload of money on the sale. ASCAP's going to be looking like people who are in charge of ASCAP are going to be looking over there like mm, that's an interesting model. We can make some serious bread. And that's ultimately what's going to hurt musicians. So I do wonder, like, will another PRO pop up? Will somebody like CD Baby or DistroKid, will one of them form their own PRO? I don't know that there are any others other than BMI and ASCAP. As far as I know, they're, they're the two, at the very least, the two main players, the only two I know about. I have all my things on ASCAP. And so what I plan to do is to talk a lot about ASCAP in future episodes. But I do think that this um, that this purchase really has a lot of heavy implications. And I did have, I might have had it up and then Google searched away from it. I did have a really cool quote up from, a really interesting quote up, I should say, from the, from the sales of these. Oh, they might be. Hey, BMI sells to private equity. The private equity firm, by the way, is called New Mountain Capital. New Mountain. Interestingly, my wife's maiden name is Nyberg, and that means New Mountain. Unfortunately, 
this gigantic private equity firm is not owned by my wife. If it were, who knows where I'd be? Yeah, this pitchfork. Uh, there's a there's a nice little pitchfork episode. Some of this stuff is or, uh, uh, article. Some of these things are are old, and so I, I was like kind of looking through. People were like, "It's going to be sold. It's going to be sold." But then there was a, a nice New York Times article that kind of covers a lot of this stuff, and you know that's that's where I got a lot of these figures. Uh, but obviously, you know, this drew concerns, this whole purchase drew concerns from, from artists. There are a lot of high profile artists on BMI, including Taylor Swift. So, and she's been really vocal about how things are in the music industry, streaming. Um, she obviously like re-recorded a lot of her music so she could own her own masters and then asked her fans to stream her stuff and not other stuff. And I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I think there's a lot of cool stuff about Taylor Swift and uh, for whatever reason, because she's so famous, I'm sure she gets a lot of heat from people or a lot of hate. Uh, Michael O'Neill, that that BMI chief executive, you know, he wanted to be able to, quote unquote, explore new sources of revenue and investments in his platform. And, and that's really ultimately what I'm getting at when I say when you become a for profit company, you can there's way more ways to get money. And, and a lot of those ways include shareholders, bringing in new shareholders, raising money, raising venture capital money. And when you do that, you know, depending on the venture capitalist, but when you do that, you now have to sort of like sing that bird's song, right? You take $200 million from some big firm, some VC fund, in order to create certain projects, you have to show a revenue boost, and your company has to increase in value in order for that person's investment to reap benefits. And so they're going to be harping on you. They're going to get on you like, hey, let's increase that 15% to 20%. Right? He said, historically, O'Neill said BMI only kept around 10%. And uh, we're excited about the new ways that New Mountain will accelerate our growth plan bringing new vision, technological expertise, and an outstanding track record of strengthening businesses, all of which will help us build a stronger future for BMI and our songwriters, composers, and publishers. That's part of um, Michael O'Neill's statement. Yeah, there's, there's some stuff in here. There's a regulatory structure from the government. You know, it's like things get hairy in this in this business because there's there's regulation happening on the governmental level too. So there's going to be stuff that they have to hopefully stuff that they have to account for before making big changes. Make sure that artists continue to get paid fairly. Just like you know, I keep talking to people that are like, "We've always been the the butt of the joke. We've always been the the ones not making the money in the transaction. It's always it's always been somebody else making the money." In a lot of ways, I think that this that the new world that we're in this time, the power is a lot more in the hands of the artist, especially ones that have no affiliation with a record label or any kind of like massive management firm, people that are really DIY artists. There's a lot of people that fit that bill that are doing well in the industry now. And I wonder what people like that can do for a, a, sh a problem with streaming. Like the the problem with streaming being that 
Spotify doesn't pay more than 0.003 cents per play. Of course, in our last episode, we talked about how that might change in 2024 because of Spotify's new pay model. But I do wonder, like, as more and more artists get found, like, the as the biggest artists in the world continue to be artists that are self-made, what might an artist like that be able to do for a problem like what BMI is posing here or like what Spotify poses in, in general? How can we put more of the power back in the hands of the artists and more of the money in the transactions between fans back in the hands of the artists? That's the question that I'm perpetually thinking about. And really, like, I would love to solve that problem. I would love to be somebody that's like, yeah, I'm creating this new streaming platform. I have a whole, like, if I'm, if I'm being totally honest with you all, I have, like, a whole manifesto written out on how to fix it. I would just need, like, I don't know, $100 million to make it happen. No big deal. It's a small amount of chump change for a company like BMI with $235.5 million in, in profit above their or or in their 15% cut of the monies collected for royalties. Next week I'm going to talk about how to navigate ASCAP. I'll talk about how to sign up, whether you should sign up as a composer or a publisher. How those splits work and then we'll talk about Maybe in another episode, probably in another episode, we'll talk about how to get performance royalties from ASCAP. If you're a performing musician, performing your original music, or if your original music is being performed either in the concert hall or in the club. Or in the club. All right? That's it for today. If you dig the podcast, please tell a friend. Post about it on social media. Share an episode with a friend. Like us wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on YouTube now under How Musicians Make It. Check out the YouTube channel. People are finding it and subscribing, which is fun. And I appreciate you all listening very much. See you in the next one.